Dogs are very important. I believe all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely do. Like, I, there's nowhere else for them to go. Like, I feel like dogs are better than people most of the time. 100%. Like, I love, I have the best therapist. She is great. But my dog has heard more of me crying and, like, been there for me more than any therapist or any person ever yeah. will be able to be there for me. And, like, they don't care, like, what you're saying or what you're going through. But they, like, sit there and, like, wag their little nub. Or if they have a tail, they have wag their tail. But all they just not. So he just wiggles his butt. Oh, so and he just, like, he sits there and, like, makes you happy. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Noreen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey, movers. Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Murder. I'm your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? <sighs> Happy Friday, everyone. Um, I'm not going to lie. This has been a really, really tough week for me. Um, as those of you that follow me on Instagram, you know, I do lives every week, but this week I, I did not do my live. Uh, I just, you know, I just didn't want to hear one thing. And, um, that was, where's Blondie? Um, I'm really sorry to say, uh, to tell you guys that my Chihuahua, who was literally the light of my life, and I have had her since she was 10 weeks old. Um, she was four months shy of her 18th birthday. Uh, she crossed over the Rainbow Bridge on Sunday, October 30th. You know, I have Blondie in my life for almost 18 years. And to put that in perspective, that is about six and a half years longer than I had my own mother in my life. So she was a longtime companion and she was just the light of my world. And for those of my friends that were privileged enough to know her and saw how I was with her, they would say the same. And, you know, for those of you that watch on Instagram, I always, always posting videos and photos with her. And she was just really like the light of my world. So um, I, I'm actually surprised. I, I, you know, it probably took me honestly about 40 times of rehearsing this intro to this episode <laughs> to not cry because I've been bawling for like four days straight. Um, she just uh, was, uh, you know, it's hard with animals because I, I think for me, I, um, you know, when I was a child going through, you know, the murder of my mother and the eventual arrest of my father, when I was taken out of my home, I you know, was not allowed to take my dog with me and child services said, hey, we'll come back and get your dog. And I never saw my dog again. 
And that is something that I probably, you know, when I talk about trauma on this show and I, I talk about, you know, you know, my instances from childhood and my experiences, I think that that is something that I still, I don't know if I've ever really recovered from is losing my dog at such a, at such a critical time in my life. And I know I've talked about this before and I, you know, it's just never easy. And I, it was the hard, one of the hardest decisions I've made. Um, but look, I had her since she was 10 weeks old, um, since she was a little, little baby. And I just, you know, I, she had an amazing life. And up until probably the last couple of days before she crossed over, I just, um, you know, she was still had a really high quality of life. And even though she was almost 18, you know, we would still take walks, a half a mile walk in the morning every single day. She was still spunky. And that's what makes it so hard is that I watched videos of her just even a week ago, just being spunky and then just to just lose her like that is um, so quickly. But I'm so grateful for all the time that I got to spend with her. And, and you know, Blondie came into my life when I was dating a girl and uh, we had another dog named Elvis that she had gotten, who was also a Chihuahua. And Elvis had a slew of health problems. Elvis passed away a little over five and a half years ago. And I, she wanted another dog and for a friend for Elvis. And I had another ex-girlfriend that had gotten a Chihuahua. And after about a week, she called me and she was a cat person. And, you know, I, uh, she, I got a phone call from her cause I thought, Oh God, she's a cat person. She got this Chihuahua. <laughs> this is not going to end well. And she was crying and she's like, I just, the dog cries and you know, the cat's not eating. And you know, uh, she, she was just really upset. I said, Pamela, do you want me to take her? And she said, yes. And, uh, that is my dear friend still to this day. I mean, Pamela and I dated 20 years ago, <laughs> uh, still a friend to this day. I actually messaged her right to let her know that I was putting Blondie down. I thank you to Pamela Willis for bringing Blondie into my life um, because she was the best dog. She really was. She had an amazing life and I can't, I can't stress that enough. And I, and look, this is a, this is a episode that really kind of diverts off from <laughs> what my normal topic is. Uh, I'm going to bring on some friends. I'm going to bring my dear friend, Tara Newell, who was actually there with me to help me put Blondie down. My dear friend, uh, Nora Claire, who has a little min pin about Blondie's size. And then a new friend, Kelsey German, whose sister was murdered in Delphi, Indiana, and with her friend, Abby. They just recently had an arrest in this case, but she talks to me about her dog and, and a dream that she had right after her sister was murdered. You know, we just all just kind of share our little dog stories in this episode. So I wanted to just sort of share this in the memory of my dear Chihuahua Blondie. She was a Pisces like me. She was born on March 5th, 2005, which is just insane to me. But I do wanna to get to this week's listener question of the week, which uh, is actually just a comment from YouTube uh, based upon the video that I posted last week uh, about the letter from prison from my father when it was, he was in his first year saying, get me out of, out of this nightmare that he of course created by murdering my mother. And she says, this is Anna Santa Cruz, she says, as a survivor of a from a narcissistic psychopath, 
I watch a lot of true crime to help me understand how their brain works and to reassure myself that I wasn't going crazy. Like you said, they can convince anyone that the sky is pink and that the ocean is yellow. I would watch him do things and I immediately ask him why he did that. He would always answer, I didn't do anything, and, I, and always in a nonchalant manner. We would go back and forth that, that way for a while until I would start to think that maybe he was right and I was just imagining it. I mean, WTF. I am an intelligent person and how does that happen? I knew he was a liar, but why lie in the first place, especially over something that was so irrelevant? I would also tell him that I was not his mother and I was not going to punish him for telling the truth. He was never fond of that one. Well, Anna, I mean, I think the, the thing is, is that when you're dealing with someone who is narcissistic or has narcissistic personality disorder or psychopathy, like they're never going to own up to anything they say and they're never going to actually admit that they're, that they're lying because they've convinced themselves of it. I mean, I, I, I'm reassured of this. And, and um, I was just recently on Navigating Narcissism with Dr. Romani, uh, an episode with Tara Newell where we were talking about uh, not only my psychopathic father, but also uh, John Meehan, Dirty John Meehan, um, who was also psychopath. And, uh, and just the behaviors, the, the chronic lying, the the deception of not only themselves, but then the, the confusion that they bring you in your world. And it makes, it makes you feel like you're going crazy. It really, really does. And, you know, it's so key, you know, even when I, when I coach people through these types of behaviors that have dealt with this and dealt with this trauma, I, I just, um, you know, I say like, it does really, really help to hear from someone who has been through it because you won't recognize it. I mean, I, I just had a dear friend reach out to me who's literally said, you know, I'm an intelligent person and I didn't, I didn't see this guy. How did I see this? How did I not see this coming? And why don't people talk about this? My answer to this is we are talking about it. Now we're talking about it. We're bringing it up in our circles of friends. We're bringing it up you know, on podcasts and hopefully by exposing this behavior and sharing our stories, Look, this is what this is all about, to share our experiences. And um, so you can't think that you're, you're, you're stupid or you've been duped by these people because they're master manipulators. And you just gotta know that. And, it, and, it, and my heart breaks for anyone that goes through this because it, the, the, the cycle of deception, the making you feel crazy, it's just nonstop. Um, so yeah, so thank you, Anna Santa Cruz, for reaching out and sharing that. Um, Again, I hope everyone had a very safe and wonderful Halloween, by the way. Please enjoy this conversation that I have with my, my friend Lenora Claire, Tara Newell, and uh, Kelsey German regarding our dogs and our experience with, with having those dogs and how they've helped us you know, deal with trauma in our lives. So I'm Kelsey German. My sister is Liberty German. Um, she and her best friend Abby were killed in February of 2017. I started advocating for them in 2018 after going to a bunch of like true crime events and I immersed myself into this community and just started sharing their story and from there I just started doing 
tons of interviews and going to different events where I could share their story with tons of people. Um, and I was able to do that for five and a half years and we finally got an arrest. So that was exciting. Now I don't have to do that as much anymore. Um, but I've been helping other families along the way. So I'm looking forward to doing that some. Um, and I continue to do this because my sister is my biggest inspiration. She just always has been. And I want to make sure that her light stays out there. She was the smartest person I know, um, the most outgoing and inspirational person I've ever met. She just loved making people happy and making sure they were smiling and having a great day. Who's that? <laughs> There's a dog. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> she let both of them in. Aww. <laughs> I just lost my little girl the other day. He lost his uh, little 17-year-old chihuahua. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I would be a mess. I remember when Tara lost her dog, I was like, oh, yeah. I have to message her because I, I cried for her. I was like, I can't do it. If Oliver died, I would be like, yeah, I couldn't handle it. It was such a blessing in disguise for me because Cash has been through so much with me that, like, his time on this planet, like, has just been him, like, taking care of me and making sure that he's my protector and, like, taking care of the hell that I've been through, you know? So I was happy in a sense that he is now somewhere where he doesn't have to yeah. do that and he's just living his best life you know yeah and then when i got dixon it's like a different vibe it's like that dog dixon i mean dixon does have to take care of me at sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he actually will come and sit on me and regulate my nervous yep. system yeah. um call your scene it a few mm -hmm. times <laughs> <laughs> But it's just a different, like, this dog is so happy, and this dog doesn't mm, have yeah. the trauma that Cash and I had, you know? Yeah. So that, like, I'm super grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. Ollie, Ollie has been with me through all of this, too. I think I got him in 2019, so two years after. Um, so he okay. has been, I've always called him my gift from Libby, which is, is where he got his name, but that's a whole different story but he I actually had a dream of my sister um like maybe in January before I had even decided to get a puppy like way before and it was of me and Libby on the beach and we were sitting in these two chairs and like a black dog ran out in front of me and the waves they just kept coming and they kept getting bigger and bigger and this dog was like up by the waves and the waves took hold of him and like dragged him out into the water and i was terrified i was so scared i stood up and i said libby are we gonna go save him like he's out in the water like we have to go get him and she just looked at me and smiled and said it's going to be okay and then I got Oliver like three months later and he looked exactly like the dog in my dream. And I don't know why I remember that dream so vividly, but I can see her face still. I can still see the dogs. I still see the waves. I can see the entire thing like, like a movie, like in front of me. And 
so he's just been oh he's always just been my gift from her because I just I know that that was her showing me him and also telling me that it was going to be okay so yeah yeah I feel like like my little chihuahua blondie like saved my life you know in a lot of ways she was just there for me and so in so many ways and you know obviously not through my trauma of of what happened with my mother but while I was making my film and all everything that happened after and continues on my as I continue on my journey and like I said she just passed away like four days ago so I'm still I'm still really dealing with yeah she was she was four months shy of her 18th birthday and she had she was great until like the last four days of her life that she just she almost just like went off a cliff it was just she didn't go downhill she just went you know and it just it just you know even just it really you know as tara knows it was just it was so sudden but i'm glad it was that because she wasn't slowly deteriorating she was she was good we used to walk a half mile every day you know for a little four pound chihuahua that's a long way you know sometimes a mile yeah so, so and everybody would look in the neighborhood and be like, oh my God, she's so wonderful. So well, dogs are very important. I believe all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely do. Like I, there's nowhere else for them to go. Like I feel like dogs are better than people most of the time. 100%. Like I love, I have the best therapist. She is great. But my dog has heard more of me crying and like been there for me more than any therapist or any person ever yeah. will be able to be there for me and like they don't care like what you're saying or what you're going through but they like sit there and like wag their little nub or if they have a tail they wag their tail but all does not so he just wiggles his butt oh, no, they're so sweet. <laughs> and he just like he sits there and like makes you happy <laughs> <laughs> they do like the whole body shake yeah like the whole thing he just keeps going we call him wiggle Aww. butt so <laughs> oh. i Oh my god. Okay. I feel like this is gonna I'm we have we could talk about dogs forever. Um so I'm gonna definitely yeah. I'm gonna have to voice message you this. <laughs> so thank you both for joining. Uh you know, I one of the things that I think really bonds all three of us is we have this love for our animals. And we you, you know, even though my trauma d- didn't happen with Blondie, I still lost my dog when my mother was murdered. When I was yanked out of the house by Children's Services, and they're and I said, "What about my dog?" And they said, "We'll come back for your dog." And I never saw my dog again. And I think that part of that with me, you know, when I so Blondie had a brother named Elvis. Um, they were not from the same litter, but Elvis was like maybe six months older than her. <clears throat> And Elvis was a runt. He had an enlarged heart. He had issues with his luxating patella, and he had trouble walking from very early. But I kept Elvis alive, I think, almost because I didn't want to let him go. Yeah. And when it, and Tara, you were there, so you know, when Blondie couldn't stand up right away to potty the other day and was almost walking like had Elvis had walked, I said, I, like, I knew her quality, and I told myself, with Elvis, you know, he was still very coherent. I mean, he tried to chase after a pit bull with his little nubby, you know, <laughs> the day that I put him down in Las Vegas. But he, um, he, 
you know, he, so he was cognizant, whereas Blondie seemed like she was really fading in and out of that and then just didn't have control of her legs for what I believe is a stroke. I just said, I'm not going to do that to her because she had lived such an amazing life for those 17 and a half years. She had no health problems. I mean, it was incredible. I had no issues with her and, you know, she was an amazing animal. And so anyways, all that to say this, I think that, you know, Tara, you were there to say to me, this is the greatest gift that you can give an animal. And because they've been such gifts in our lives. And I wanted to talk about how all of that has impacted us. You know, I know Cash was a special animal for you. Uh, Lenora, you had a, another dog before Nomi that was at a critical time for you. And I want to talk about how these animals are so amazing for us in these situations. Yeah. Well, I had one therapist that told me that if I didn't have dogs in my life at a young age and all these animals, that I might be a bipolar or borderline. <laughs> um, because I didn't, my mom and my father were workers, but I had a lot of nannies. So animals have always been my comfort and my constant affection and love. And my parents also are not touching Philly. I've also, I've like had to learn that in my adult life, even with my animals and my dog Cash, he was around for eight years of my life. He came into my life when I actually got hit by a car by an ex-boyfriend and that was really when I needed a dog and this source of comfort because he really became my source of healing in that instance because I didn't go to therapy back then. I didn't know how to cope. So he was really my constant safety in a sense. And later, uh, I believe he was like five and a half years or like around five years when I was attacked by John Meehan. Um, we've talked previously about that before on your podcast. Yeah. And so he's really been a protector all in my life. And, you know, even to the moment where he passed, it's crazy. Like earlier, we were talking about how the fentanyl overdose is my ex passed away that day from a fentanyl overdose, the one that hit me with a car. And Cash died the same day. So it was like a cycle of like, this dog did his job to protect me. And when this person went away, he went away with them to kind of, and I'm very spiritual. So I like believe like, oh, Cash went to the spirit realm to protect me from him because I don't need his energy in my life, you know, from my ex. And then... I personally just have had dogs as ESA animals and now I have Dixon and he comes on my stomach and sits on my stomach and regulates my nervous system when I start to, you know, get certain emotions. He actually knows how to gauge when I need space from him or if I need him to sit on my stomach in that moment. What is that? He's, he's great with that. It's interesting because when we were talking to Kelsey German earlier, and how she had the dream you know, after her sister Libby's murder about the dog yeah. and then the dog came into her life. It's, it, you know, and I don't mean to be hooey dooey about this or, but I, I even had met a, a dog medium who actually of course has a podcast 
last year and asked her about Blondie and she she said she works with photographs so I showed her some photos on my phone because I only have about 500,000 of them of Blondie on my phone and she said you know she started telling me things that only she would have that only I would have known because this particular group of friends has only known me for about five years she was talking about things when I first got her when she was 10 weeks old with an ex-girlfriend from another ex-girlfriend and she said she came from an not the girlfriend that you were with, but from another ex-girlfriend, correct? And I was like, yeah, I, how would you, like, there's no way that she would know that, you know? Yeah. And I feel that dogs are very psychically connected to us in so many ways. I mean, Lenora, I'm interested to hear what you'd say about that. Yeah, and I actually have like a weird dog psychic connection story too, and I'll, I'll get into that. My history is I grew up with dogs. I grew up with golden retrievers, very different than the miniatures, uh, miniature pinchers I have now. There's just something about minpins. They call them the king of toys. They're they're little dogs. You know, they're under ten pounds, but they yeah. got so much personality. They're little maniacs. And they they're just right for me. But um, my my first minpin, her name was Ellie, and my my friend found her walking Hollywood Boulevard. She's about a two year old minpin. She got the name Ellie because she peed on an L magazine. So then that was how she got her name. And I got her when I was 21 years old. I had a boyfriend at the time and I basically just came home with the dog. Like he didn't want one. I'm just like, this is my dog. Deal with it, whatever. Um, and I will definitely say that Ellie, Ellie was there with me as I was becoming an adult. You know, 21 is such a, like a pivotal time. And I really think she saved me from making a bunch of dumbass, stupid mistakes because I was always accountable. Like I always had to come home. I always had to look after her. So I really felt that she was like my, my protector, my guardian, and just, you know, really kind of kept me in line. And, um, unfortunately what ended up happening with Ellie was my dad, who was my best friend, he passed away. It was really just so traumatic when I was uh, 33. This is uh, 2013. And Ellie, um, she passed three months later. And so I, I had a lot of regrets because I, I wasn't ready to let her go. And so that's why I was going to say, Collier, you really did the hardest with the most loving thing. You know, um, I have regrets. I, I like kept Ellie alive with IV bags. You know, I just, I, I, I wouldn't do that now. So um, I learned a lot, but she got me through my dad's passing. And then I had a really, you know, when you go through double traumas like that, you're not in a great place. And I found people always know me from my stalking story, but I also am a survivor of sex assault and domestic violence different times in my life. And my DV happened after Ellie died, like right after, because I was, I was in such a trauma place, you know, I wasn't thinking and I, I let someone really awful into my life. And, um, he assaulted me. It was pretty bad. I, I sustained like broken ribs on my left side. It was, it was pretty awful. And I think it was, was it three days after my assault? I was, I was home and I was just in a, a terrible place. I mean, I was like the lowest of my life. And I get this call from a guy I don't even know that well. And he's like, you know, I, I read on Facebook that your minpin passed away, your female minpin. And mm -hmm. I have a neighbor, an elderly woman who just passed away of a stroke and she had a young female minpin that was with her for, for three days. I think you're meant to take her. And that's how, that's how I got Nomi. Um, that's how I got her. So she, she came from that situation. And then, um, even worse, two days, two days after, uh, she was hit by a car because she had never, I, I had her in her harness and everything, but, um, she had never been out on like a, a street. She had only been in like a, a backyard before and she saw a bus and yeah. freaked out and 
got out and ran into traffic. And anyway, so this we're incredibly bonded. I got her through that. She had a broken hip, broken pelvis, um, you know, lots of surgery, but you'd never know now. You know, she jumps, she jumps so high. And oh, yeah. like, I've had oh, her yeah. for years, but Nomi really was the dog that got me through all the stalking and everything. And I was gonna say the, the weird, the weird like dog uh, psychic story. It's different than you guys, but um, my dad had a, like a nickname for me. I was always like his little monkey. And um, right when I first got Nomi, I had like ordered a bunch of new things. And there was this, there was this dog toy that came along with it that wasn't like, I didn't order it. And it was a little monkey. And then I looked at it and there was this other like weird little, it's, it's like such a long story, this very specific, very strange word that my dad used to call me. And sure enough, on the little tag, that was the name of the monkey. And I just felt like I was like, I was like, oh my God, did he send this for me for my new dog? You know, like it was like this weird, it's like so, I never tell anyone that because it sounds so like crazy, but whatever. I took it to mean what I took it to mean. And I, I it, it felt like a gift from my dad for my new dog. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. That's so cute. Oh, they're just the best. You know, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, and I always used to call her my Chihuahua child, as did many of yeah. my friends, right? <laughs> and, you know, some people, and I get it, kids are your children, right? But for those of us that don't have, like, physical children, right? We have these animals that we let into our lives. And often people, you know, will say, well, you know, it, it's just a, it's just, a, you know, it's just a dog, right? And I feel like it, it's not. It's a, it's a living creature that looks up to you to take care of it. You take the responsibility, if you take that responsibility seriously, you take this responsibility to take on this, this animal and then take care of it. And, and I, I think that's a really, that, that's like having a child. I mean, they yeah. may not have the, they have a lot of, I, I feel like human characteristics in a lot of ways because they're able to look, you know, they have left side bias and things like that, which is studies have indicated, which they can read emotions, hence Dixon coming to sit on your lap, you know, on your stomach when you're having anxiety from trauma and things of that nature. I mean, I just, I just remember all the joy that Blondie brought me and, and, um, yeah, well, know, it's so. like, you got to get up for your dog. You got to get up, feed them. They remind you, you know, so it's always like, you have to like kind of do it for your dog. And especially if you have an Australian shepherd, they're going to make sure you yeah. get up in the morning <laughs> well and also dogs you know it's that it's that routine when you're going through trauma and you're processing trauma routine is ultimately what really helps you you out of that trauma right and having an animal having something that you have to care about that is outside of yourself is something that is really key i feel like in your healing i mean obviously tara you feel that way right yeah no i feel that way a hundred percent because when I didn't have a dog after Cash died, I literally, I would get up and then I would just walk in circles because I was like, what is the next step to the day? I don't even know. Like I'm, everything that was out of my routine is not there anymore. And that's when I took in a foster and I started fostering a dog. That dog was not right, the right fit for me, but it started to give me a routine again, you know, and I was more so angry that the dog was like at the time trying to eat my ferret, you know, where I'm not upset at least that I don't have anything to do that day, you know, 
Um, and eventually I got Dixon and that was right fit for me. But I constantly had like a foster to get me back into the routine because I've been the person to always kind of had double dogs because if one mm -hmm. dies, like I'll lose it, you know? And yeah. um, I really have come a long way in my trauma where I didn't lose it. I just didn't know what to do. I just didn't know the next step of my life without a dog. Lenora, when you work with different, you know, stalking victims or essay yeah. victims, do you find that when they have an animal that it really helps lead them through their process? Oh God, yeah. I mean, like there's so many uh, stalking survivors that become borderline agoraphobic. They're afraid to leave. And you know, your dog, by nature of that, like my minpin, I have to walk her five miles a day, right? They're so incredibly helpful. Yeah. And one thing that, that also people don't realize with this kind of stuff. Um, so my stalker tried to kidnap Nomi. Um, and so I always tell people that 33 states, you can put your animal on the restraining order, which is really important to protect them. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, what they provide, it's it's just unbelievable, right? What they do as far as safety and um, in at the height, at the worst part of my stalking, like I didn't like to leave the house, but I realized I always felt safe with Nomi. Like she literally helped integrate me back into society and dealing with people. And they're also a great buffer. You know, like if you want to go, like I always take her with me and it's like, if I don't want to talk to someone, I'm just like, oh, sorry, my dog doesn't like strangers, even though she does. You know, it's like <laughs> they, just, they just provide this like great comfort and support. And and at the flip side too, um, when I'm, I'm trying to feel social, like if I'm struggling with that because of whatever's going on, it's like, I just, you know, I always put Nomi in a little outfit and like everybody comes up to me and suddenly I'm just like making them happy and I've made 10 new friends and um, people call Nomi like the mayor of this area because everybody knows her. Like right now she's dressed like a unicorn, you know, um, <laughs> but, but absolutely. And actually one of the... Uh, um, one of the really great things, uh, you know, through my work with the district attorney here in Los Angeles is they have a canine court support unit, which is so cool. It's they they really mostly work with children, like a lot of uh, children who are survivors of SA. And these dogs are incredible. I mean, they're so loving and empathetic and trained. And actually the logo, it's like it's a it's a dog's paw in a little kid's hand. It's just like this, like the sweetest thing. And mm. they're it's so incredible incredible because you know and and, and collier you get this because your trauma happened when you were young when you're a kid and you're going through what you're going through and you've got to be in court yeah. i can't even it's so hard as an adult so um seeing the canine unit in court with kids is just like it's it's incredible um i really that's something people don't know they can ask for but they can uh in most big cities they have some kind of program like that yeah that's amazing that was definitely one of the things I think that for me <clears throat> being in that space for that limbo period of like no family, right. Losing my mother, losing technically my father. I mean, due to his own selfish, you know, stupidity and psychopathy, but yeah, I would have given anything to see my dog. And I, and I, and I do, I, I feel like in a lot of ways I still kind of hold on to that a little bit. I mean, I'm sure I do. I'm sure in some sort of psychoanalysis, it, it, it'll come out. Whereas that I didn't, you know, my animal was taken away from me that I love so much at a time when I probably needed an animal the most. And the foster home that I was in, they didn't have any animals. They had then they had no interest in bringing that animal in, the, my dog in, which was named Gowdy. And I think that, um, in fact, that's why I didn't get to see him because they said, we don't want him. And I... You know, I feel like if I had had that support, 
I would have been, I probably would have been a lot better off. You know, when I was eventually adopted, my adoptive family had a, had a gold retriever who was named Rusty and he was sweet as, um, as could be. And I can still remember to this day when my uh, mother called me and told me about Rusty, like that he was passing away and I was on the phone with her and she was really in a bad way and she was waiting for my uh, my brother to come up with my father from from they were down in Florida on a job and just even to this like when I was talking to them the other day to say you know what had happened with Blondie and they were just like it's it's really tough even to this day thinking about that like they never got another dog again you know and I feel like you know it, 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 it it's because they just become so integrated with your family and then it's it's literally, literally losing a loved one Nomi, Nomi does this thing where if I cry, she licks my tears until I laugh. You know, it's like, it's, I know it's, it's incredible. Like it's, there's just, they just, there's just this connection, right? Which isn't to say that, you know, we don't connect to people, but it's just a different, it's a special connection. It's just on this whole other level, right? And I think again, it's it's when you go through trauma like this, you, you want to bond with something that's not because the human has harmed you, right? The human being has been that one that that betrayed you, right. laid hands on you, violated you in some way. Is is has this weird obsession with you, and the animal is just this sort of pure light. I feel, and, and the do dogs especially have that pure light that they just want to be there because they want to be with you. Yeah, they're just natural pleasers. <laughs> they're natural pleasers. Uh huh, <clears throat> natural pleasers. They're like, you know, us. <laughs> yeah, they're like us, exactly. But way exactly. more, you know? They're just like, I yeah. want to be there for you. I want to see you happy, you know? I want to regulate your emotions because when I see you unhappy, that means I'm upset too, you know? Tara, you, you and I were, uh, obviously, you were with me because I, I needed some support. And I'm like, Tara, please come here and help me. Because I was, when I saw Blondie, like I knew she was going downhill and I said, you know, I want to, you know, I'm going to have to take her in. And, you know, it was so difficult to find a place to even take her in to euthanize her. And then they wanted all these extra, they wanted, you know, it costs a fortune to do it. And you explained to me that a lot of that is due because these places are overbooked or they've closed down because of the pandemic. And unfortunately, I mean, what did you tell me about the pandemic with dogs? Oh, that everybody decided to get dogs because, hey, we're at home right now. We can take in a dog. And then everybody started going back to work and dumped them at the shelters again. And even got like purebred dogs. And then, oh, I can't work. So the dogs going. So there was an influx of dogs at the shelters. And now it, all the shelters are kind of overflowed right now, especially in California. And I know other states have this issue right now. I talked to Texas Humane Society in Austin, Texas, and they have an overflow of dogs. It's just everywhere right now. You know, there was something you mentioned earlier where <clears throat> you said even, uh, and I believe it was Kelsey was saying these dogs don't, uh, these dogs that are in, that are in these situations, in the kennels, in, in these shelters, they only get 15 minutes of, of activity sometimes a day and then they're in a cage the rest of the time whereas you know even somebody who said well i don't know if i can take care of them i can't walk them even if you're letting them outside for an hour a day 
that's way more than they're going to get in a shelter. Well, it also even depends on how many volunteers that they have at the shelter. The dog may not even get out a day. Like sometimes the dog will get on a little walk a day, but most of them are like pooping and peeing in their kennel because they're not coming out of that kennel unless they have volunteers for the shelters as well. And then there's certain dogs, like people will also drop their dogs off the shelter to get euthanized because they can't afford the euthanasia or, you know, to euthanize their dog. And, you know, the process you went through, everybody wanted to charge around like $600 and shout no, out that would to, be, that would have been yeah, cheap. shout yeah. out to like Sherman Oaks veterinarian where, um, they took her in, they charged, um, yeah, they were you know, reasonable. They were reasonable. They were reasonable. Yeah. Even that people can't afford something reasonable too. And so they'll put their dogs back at the shelter. And then there's a lot of these red alert dogs that have like cancer tumors and people also want to adopt those dogs out, which it's, it's kind of a controversy because it's like people drop them off so to get euthanized and then, you know, rescues will see that and be like, oh, we want to save them. And some rescues do have resources to save them um, because they, you know, specialize in that type of dog where that vet may have been like not aware of certain things that they could do or whatnot. So it's yeah. it's just a conflicted situation right now. I was saying the the only fight I get into with Henry, and I think I've told you this, is um, <laughs> I, I want to clone Nomi. I really want to clone her. And he's like, that's crazy. You can't do that. And I'm sitting here going, well, I, I to, you know, I'm ready for like return of Nomi, son of Nomi. No, you know, Nomi's revenge. Just I just want to keep. And he's like, no, you can't clone Nomi. That's crazy. Um, but um, it's we're we're just so lucky to have them for as long as we do. Yeah. You know. Have you seen the Age of Adeline? No, what's that? Oh, it's this movie. But she literally, like, she lives forever. But she keeps getting the same dog over and over again, like. A Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I've had a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, and then I got another one that looked exactly like my old one, and named her Chanel, uh, Coco Chanel, and the one before was Chanel, just you know, different Chanels, and the next one will be Chanel number one, number two, you know, number five. <laughs> <laughs> Chanel so number I feel five that. is my mother's favorite perfume, by the way. <laughs> Classic. It's it is a classic one. So do either of you know of any um, shelters or resources if people are looking to adopt? Yeah. So you can go on Pet Harbor. Um, I think it's petharbor.org or .com. But if you do a Google search for Pet Harbor, you can go and you can look up any adoptable animals in the area. And you can go and you can choose like chihuahuas border collies anything like that and you can look up all the rescues and the dogs that way oh a, a different um resource i want to mention really quick too it's slight it's slightly different i just found out about them and they sound really cool um it's called red rover and it's uh they do a lot it's it's to help people who are in crisis so they don't have to fully give up their animal like let's just say like you're there's a hurricane or you're in a domestic violence situation and you're trying to figure your situation out but you still want to keep your pet they'll look after your pet temporarily until you get into a better situation 
So yeah, ever since finding out about that, I'm like, that's, I I wish, I wish more people knew about that one too, because that's, that's like really specialized. And I think a lot of, a lot of animals, yeah, they end up going to shelters and people are just, they just need like a little help. They don't, they're not ready to fully surrender their animals. So um, that's something in between as well. I would, I would love to foster a dog eventually, but I feel like I would be a failed foster parent. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There'd be another one, and then it would just become a habit. Yeah. Are you um, saying you can end up with 10 dogs? Probably. Oh, my gosh. You, that would be you my would dream. Love it. <laughs> you guys heard of, um, it's Trixie Mattel from Drag Race. She just took over um, a property in Palm Springs, right? So I used to go to, the. it used to be called um, Coral Sands. It was owned by a woman named Ruby Montana. And she, that was exactly uh-huh. her thing. She would adopt senior chihuahuas. And so I would go to her motel and there'd be just like, I don't know, there's so many, just, you know, the, the, the cute, the, the toothless, the tongue hanging out, senior chihuahuas in this, like living their best life. And I always thought like, that's what I want for retirement. I just want a bunch of just like senior littles, just give me all the, you know, the pins just hanging out with them by a pool. I just thought that was the sweetest thing ever um i always think about that and it just i love it i can see you with min pins all dressed like dolly parton that would be like a great cover photo yeah nomi has nomi has the doggy parton dress she has the the one that just came out it's it's awesome yeah does she have the wig yet not yet she has she only has wigs that look like my hair Um, it's 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 a clip-on bang that i turned into a wig for her I remember I dressed Blondie as the Easter Bunny one year and she was not enthusiastic. But I used to have this great dog sitter when I would travel out of town that was also a costumer. So if it was like New Year's or Christmas or Thanksgiving or Fourth of July, I would get a photograph with a little custom-made outfit for Blondie. I could never get her to wear anything after that Easter Bunny outfit, but but she would send me photos of her with her little like top hat on for Fourth of July with little like streamers. It was so adorable. Well, ladies, thank you for indulging me on a little doggy talk. And this is a complete divergence normally from what I discuss on this program, but um, I adore you both. And so, and, and you're both great dog mamas and, um, and thank you for your support this last few days. And, and kind of yeah. Hard, and so. if, if you need anything, we're, we're, we're here for you, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> or if you, need a dog. <laughs> um, huh? if you need a dog <laughs> if you need a dog right? <laughs> one might just show up at your door anytime <laughs> oh boy. i'm oh not boy. like no but like if you need one just say the word and then one will show up <laughs> i know this isn't my usual podcast uh fodder but um i just really wanted to just talk with a couple of friends of mine it's really helping me process the loss of Blondie because she was such an important an important part of my life and anyone that's followed me on Instagram or seen my TikTok or just known me over the years that I've had her in my life and I just you know I, I I'm so grateful that she came into my life and that she was just she was amazing I mean the dog really saved my life in so many ways I can't even express um i will miss her and her little bark and her little (laughs) when she would snore um 
I just loved her to pieces and um, she will be really, really be missed. I want to give a, a special shout out to my dear friend, Pamela Willis, uh, who brought Blondie into my life. Uh, my dear friend, Tara Newell, who was there uh, with me for the end of her life. Uh, my dear friend, Holly Jordan, who is a veterinarian here in the Los Angeles area, from, originally from Ohio and a Chihuahua mom herself. She really gave us some really great advice uh, towards the end of Blondie's life. She was there for her. Um, and uh, a shout out to Sherman Oaks Veterinary Group. Uh, they, they did a really, they were very sensitive. It's, it's, it's tough when you're trying to put a dog down to even get in to put a dog down these days because of the pandemic and because the, the, a lot of these shelters are overcrowded as we were talking about. And so I want to thank them for, for their kindness. And um, I want to thank Blondie for being in my life. And, I will miss her little fuzz face for sure, but I will carry her in my heart. And for those of you watching on YouTube, this is her little ducky. So, <sighs> anyways, um, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. Blondie, what's going on? This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.